0: well we've been talking on revival and so i wanted to finish this up the series on revival and because the whole point of revival is not just to be revived spiritually but for what god does in you to continue right i mean that's important because you don't just want to have a high and then go right back to where you were have you ever lost 20 pounds only to gain it back how many guys have lost the last the, the, i've lost the same 10 pounds uh, like 200 times of you guys <laughs> i've lost my body weight several times I just always tend to find it again. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so I don't know if you're like me like that. You just like, you feel like every gain you get, you then kind of lose. That can happen spiritually pretty easily too to where you have this great high moment, but then you just kind of go back to normal. But that's not what real revival does. Real revival leads to lasting change. In fact, if, even if you Google the word revival, I was surprised at, when I Googled it, that it actually said that, that, that it's a spiritual awakening that eventually leads to social change. And that beautiful is like that's what it should be, right? It should change how we live, what we do, and so and we see this in scripture as well. Revival literally means renewal or awakening. I know I mentioned that the first message, but so I want to give you. Uh, I want to go back to the original scripture we talked about number week one of revival in Second Kings twenty two. Uh, it says, "You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people." That this land would be cursed and become desolate. You you tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster. So the first thing we did last the first week was what? Number one, we humbled ourselves and we repented, and that's always the beginning of revival. But revival's not done. Now, now we did two weeks of that because I really believe in, in my own life and other people's lives that a second level of revival that happens at the same time you're repenting is you get your relationships right. And that's where Pastor Dante came in and really shared about relationship revival, how God wants to not just change us, but change our whole families. And so that's what we talked about last week as well. But there's a third step to revival that we almost never hear about. In fact, the first time I ever even heard this word was from Pastor Rick Warren when he said the third part that you don't typically hear about is the, most, is, is the best part. It's called structural revival. Now, that's not a big word we use, but that means it literally changes the structure of your life. And so you just do things differently after this. This happened to me personally years ago when I was a teenager. God got the whole of my life at camp one year in such a powerful way. This is why I'm such a big believer in camp, because it changed my life. That not only was I I saved at camp as a really young kid, but then I rededicated my life to Christ at camp, and then I was called into the ministry at camp. And so I began to act like I was in the ministry, even though I was just a kid even when I was like 14, 15 years old. And so it changed how I lived. All of a sudden, I'm taking my my revival with me to to school. I literally was carrying my Bible with me now. I'm starting to wear little Christian T-shirts, that whole thing. And I became known as a Christian on campus. It literally changed the structure of my life. Now, I'm not suggesting you become Billy Graham at your workplace, but what I am suggesting is that, does anyone know you're a Christian? By the way, you live your life. And I believe they do. I'm not, I'm not knocking you today, but what I'm saying is that if people don't see our lives change, how is our God going to be real to them? So we have to be a different people. Like I said, week one, a peculiar people. is what the Bible calls us. We're peculiar. Turn to the first section and you go, you're kind of peculiar. It's true. We're supposed to be different. Another word for that is weird. They think we're weird. The world doesn't get us. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So humble yourself and repent. And then number two, reform your life to God's purposes. Look at what it says in 2 Kings 23, verse 1. This 2 Kings 22 is the revival chapter. God gets a hold of the king. God gets a hold of the priests and all their lives, all the people in Israel. And then in and then 2 Kings 23, the king says, now here's how we're going to live differently. Check it out. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees, with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Now, we know the covenant was the word of God. Now, this is interesting. It, it says here that they followed the commands, the laws, the decrees. What's a decree? Why, why would there be three different terms here? A decree is, this is how we're going to live. So a decree is different than a law. A law is like, don't break the law. But the decree is, this is my new lifestyle. Isn't it funny how everyone today is is celebrating choosing an alternative lifestyle? I got an alternative lifestyle for you. Let's be holy. Let's be holy people. Set apart for God's work. To do his will. Let's be holy in all our interactions. What does that mean? It just means you're different than everyone else. And so we're to choose that kind of a lifestyle. So we reform our lives to God's Purposes And basically, in other words, what I'm trying to say, this is what God is saying to you and me today is this. He's saying, now that you change your heart, now change your plans. Many of us got, oh, God's got to hold of my heart. Awesome. Does God got a hold of your schedule yet? Does God got a hold of your checkbook yet? Does God got a hold of your dating life yet? Does God got a hold of your family life yet? Does God got a hold of what channels you watch and don't watch on TV? Does God got a hold of your internet surfing yet? Does God got a hold of your social media yet? You see, when, when your life changes, it should show up in everything you do. And so that's where reform comes in. We look at the word reform or reformation, but really, let me break it down. It's re-form. You're reformulating what you do. That's what God wants all of us to be about. So what are God's decrees? What is a decree? Here's what a decree literally means. It's the enactment of kings. It's an edict brought to a people by their king. So someone would run to a town and he would come from, from the king's castle and they'd run and they'd open, they'd go, this is an edict. And they'd open it up and they'd read, therefore the king of such and such declares that we are going to blah, 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 blah. And everyone knew you got to do that. That's the king said it. And I want to say to you today, the king has rolled out his word today to say, therefore, Now that you have followed me, now you recognize that you're in the kingdom. This is how kingdom people live. So God is saying, I decree to you to live higher, better, more loving, more caring, more passionate, more full of the life and vitality and the purpose and the destiny of God on you. I declare it. I decree it. I edict it over your life is what God says to you and me. And that's what he wants us to do to live differently. So what are the decrees? Proverbs 19 says this, many are the plans the man, uh, in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We got all kinds of plans, don't you? I mean, I got all kinds of goals and dreams and things I want to accomplish in my life. I do, I have like a bucket list. And maybe you do too. Maybe it's not written, but maybe it's in your mind. Like, I really want to do this. And I really want to do that. That's great. But has God got a whole of your plans? Now you may say, but Pastor Bill, I don't want to scrap my plans. Oh no, I'm not asking you to do that. See, I believe God put a lot of those things in you. I think they're going to come more alive and you're going to accomplish way more in your life now. You're going to become more successful in your business. You'll become more successful in your career, more successful in your academics. Why? Because now you're not just doing it for you, now you're doing it for God. And so that's what God tends to do. Look at C.S. Lewis. God got a hold of his life and changed him radically. He was still a professor, but now he's a professor that changed the world. Does that make sense? And he was in a very secular environment as a professor. And yet we, many of us, know his name and have read his books. And he was always a professor, never changed vocations. I just think it's important to understand that. We're not asking you to necessarily change your job. No one's asking you to get a cleric collar on. We're saying, on the inside, become who God called you to be. Don't die with the dreams still in you. Let God aliven you to recognize that the kingdom of God is within so what are the edicts of God? What are the larger plans of God? And there's a lot of little detail stuff we can talk about. But what are the big plans? Here they are. God gives us two. Here's the first one. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. Those are the two big ones. Love God, love each other. Now you may say, oh, that's so simple. Hmm. How are we doing all that in America? How's that going in our Christian nation? Isn't it funny how we skip the basics? Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to love people that don't think like me, that don't look like me, that don't vote like me, they don't have a background like me. I'm supposed to love them. At the end of the day, I'm actually not going to argue anyone into heaven, but I can show compassion and care and kindness and love, and they can see when they're screaming in my face and I'm calmly talking to them. So we can just live differently, can't we? your response shows who you are. It really does. And so I just want to encourage you, if we'll learn to love one another, it's a game changer. Now, in that love, it doesn't mean you compromise truth. Not at all. We stand by the truth of God and we love God. That's why we do what we do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there's a second commandment that God gives. These are the two big ones. The first one is called the Great Commandment. The second one is called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Jesus said this after he rose again. He said this, "'Therefore go and make disciples of all nations.'" Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So there are five basic premises based in these two scriptures. I want to give them to you real quick, okay? The first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's worship, okay? The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. That's ministry, that's, 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 that's caring for others, uh, that's serving, right? Uh, Baptize Him represents once you're baptized, you're a part of the baptized. That means you're now part of God's church. I don't know if you knew that, that's part of being a part of God's church. And so that represents fellowship. And then, and then, of course, teach them represents discipleship. And then the first and, 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 and foremost of all of these is go and make disciples, which represents what? Evangelism. But can I give you another way of saying all, all five of those things? The you. You ever heard us talk about the you around here? What is the you? Here's another way of saying worship, ministry, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism. Ready? You attend, you serve, you group, you tithe, you bring. You're like, oh. I just thought that was a little program y'all created. No, it's a little program God created. We just simply cut it down to the most basic thing. It's like our mission statement's real simple. We don't say, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. We don't say that. We just say, bring as many people to heaven as you can before you die. Got it? You're like, oh, I got that. Like, it's just, it just brought in layman's terms for the day. And so the, that's what the U is. And, and so when you look at that, all of that, even, even some of you are like, wait, the, how's it tied to you? Because the ultimate level of discipleship is if you're giving to God. That's one of the hardest and slowest things to come for people. And so oftentimes it's the last thing you do, right? So even that's discipleship. See, you're giving, you thought it was just about giving, it's not. It's about discipleship. It's about your maturity in Christ is what that's about. And so I just want to challenge you with all five of these that they're important to do. And this will reform your life. Nothing will reform your life faster than you just attending church. Nothing will reform your life faster than you just beginning to serve if you already attend. Nothing will reform your life faster than you group, you getting in the group of fellowship with other people. Nothing will reform your life faster, reform your life like tithing. Nothing will reform your life like bringing people to Christ. Does that make sense? If you want your life to change, just follow this simple pattern. It's not complicated. Jesus has simple things for us to do. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. It requires faith, doesn't it? I mean, 10% is pretty simple math, but when you start to give it, whoa, whoa, not easy. But eventually, believe it or not, and I can attest to this, and many of the people around you can too, it actually does become easy once you do it a while. It's just not the big deal. It's just a habit. You just do it. You're like, this isn't that big of a deal. seems crazy that that would be easy, but yeah. Some people are like, go to the church every week. Oh, how do you do that? Like, people have been doing it for years. Your grandparents did that. Most of ours, you know. Oh, it's just normal. That's just what they did. I find it interesting that the things that our grandparents did that were normal, you know it was also normal in America back then? Stability. And all of a sudden, we make it abnormal to put God first, abnormal to have his truth in our life, abnormal to do things like pray before school starts, abnormal to have some kind of devotion to the land you live in. We take all those normals away, and guess what? Oh, what a shock. You know what's now normal? Depression, divorce, fighting, violence, crime rates being up. Oh, that's normal now. Time to reform some things, unless you want a jacked-up world. So we have to recognize that revival matters. Can I tell you some things that revival brought to to our, our world? Let me just give you a couple of examples of what revival can do. Did you know that revival is what brought the abolition of slavery? That's what did that. Go check out William Wilberforce. Go look him up. God stirred in him to stop slavery. Did you know that? Go look at the ending of, uh, how about women's suffrage? That's a fancy word for they didn't have women's voting rights. They couldn't even vote. But it was revival, the second great awakening in the 19th century that brought the ability for women to vote, to have a voice in our country. Did you know that civil rights was not brought to you by the Republican or Democrat Party? It was brought to you by a preacher. It was brought to you by a spiritual movement. Did you under, do you understand that Martin Luther King was Pastor Martin Luther King Jr., We have forgotten that revival is what leads to lasting change. Did you know that it was through revival that many of our universities are here? I don't know if you're aware of this. Did you know that revival is what brought us hospitals? That's why we have the hospital systems. Why do you think almost every hospital is called the Methodist system, the Baptist hospital, the the Christus spawn? What do you think is going on here? It's Christians having a change of heart saying, we need to take care of hurting people. It's reviving them. Did you know revival is what brought us Harvard University? The Puritan movement brought us that. Did you know revival brought Yale University and Princeton and Brown and Temple and Azusa Pacific and places like Liberty and places like Baylor? All these these places you forget. That was started by someone having a spiritual move to say we must do something for young people to get fired up for God. And boy, look at those universities now. Talk about some schools that need to go back to something. I just want to challenge the heart of who we are. Now, I can't fix Yale and Harvard. Couldn't even get in, to be truthful. (laughs) But I want to challenge you with this. I can fix me. I can fix my family, my kids. I can say, as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. I can fix the way I do business with people. I'm going to do business. I'm going to show people what what it looks like to, to do business with a Christian. And it doesn't mean you give away the farm. No, you can make money. You can profit. The Bible says, what, does it profit a man? There's nothing wrong with that. You can honor the Lord in those things. And so we can show people that we can live differently because of what God's done in our lives. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the renewal of your what? Your mind. It's how you think. It's how you think that changes everything. Then you'll be able to do what? Test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Some people are like, I just want to know God's will. God's like, God's will is that you renew your mind. God's will is revival. That God changes who you are. And then from there, all the other things you want to know about, he'll show you. He'll show you who to marry and what job to have and where to live and what to do. He'll show you all those things. See, we all think those are the first primary things. Those aren't. Those are the primary things you want. But God says, I'm primary. Everything else is secondary. And then he'll take care of the rest if we'll simply put him first. And so I just want to challenge you with this. And by the way, in the you, did you know there's only one of the you that you can't do in heaven? Think about that for a second. (laughs) I mean, you can worship in heaven, that's for sure. You can love your neighbor as yourself in heaven. You can fellowship in heaven. That's going to be one of the most fun parts, right? To see old friends and family that have gone before us, right? You know, in heaven. Uh, We can disciple. We're going to learn more about the Lord in heaven. You know what you can't do in heaven? You can't witness. That's done. That's over. Your friends that don't know the Lord, it's too late at that point. You won't have that opportunity. So that means we should probably focus on that one, don't you think? Since that one's going to have an expiration date. of no, the other ones are. That's why I believe so much in what we do. You like my shoes? I mentioned them earlier. I want to show you the back of my shoes. It, Pastor Paul had an artist do this for my shoes. This is so cool. I love these shoes. But the best part is the back. It says to take as many people to heaven as you can before you die, period. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that cool? So then I'm on the back here. So that's based upon the scripture. Romans ten fourteen says this. But how can they call on and save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the jays who walk towards someone and say, come to church with me on Easter. So I want to challenge every one of you to have some beautiful feet this week. Here's your homework. Next week's Easter. Next week is the one week that you can ask someone to come to church and they'll actually contemplate it. Why? Because everyone's going to church on Easter. It's a social thing, right? Everyone, everyone does that. This is your opportunity to invite someone to church. Your homework this week is to bring someone next week for Easter. Would you do that? I want to ask God right now. I want to just pray. I want to ask God in this prayer to lay someone on your heart to bring Easter. Can we do that? Let's just bow our heads. You may say, oh, pastor, I'm traveling. That's okay. Take them to, to a church wherever you're going come online if you want. It's okay. Maybe you have someone that's a friend that's kind of a shut-in. They don't really get out. Tell them about online services. That's great. Bring someone with you so you can bring them to Christ. Father, I pray that you lay upon our hearts someone very specifically. Holy Spirit, give us a name of a friend, someone we care for. Maybe a coworker, Lord. Maybe someone we work out with or our kids play ball together. God, just give us the name of a neighbor. Maybe we don't even know their name. And Lord. That's kind of sad that we don't even know our neighbors' names. So God, put them on our hearts that we can invite them to Easter and bring them to church so they can hear about your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, that we can share the good news. But Lord, how can that happen if we don't have beautiful feet that walk across the street, that walk across the aisle, that walk across the hallway at work and simply invite them? Give us the words to say. Lord, help us not be preachy. Help us just to casually use our influence to bring someone to church next week. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If God gave you a name, would you write that down? Would you write down their name? In fact, here's what I would do. I'd put in it as an alarm to go off sometime tomorrow morning. So then you're like, oh, I got to call them or I got to text them, right? And so I want to challenge you to do that. I really believe that God will use your influence to bring someone to church. Now, there's two other things I want to I conclude with really quick. Uh, I've got some time, so but let me just say this. This is a huge one. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is, is, is basically being alive to the things of God and telling people about Jesus to make sure everyone gets a chance to go to heaven, right? That's what, that's what the kingdom of God is. So every time you lead someone to Christ, bring someone to church, you're building the kingdom of God. When you give to God's house so we can do more mission work and, and spread the gospel further, you're giving to the kingdom of God. When you serve, that's the kingdom of God. All of those things are about the kingdom. And so I just want to encourage you that he's saying here, Jesus said, now that you have, now you have me in your life, don't turn back. But you know what we do? We get all excited about God, but then we turn back to our old ways. And God's like, you gotta, you got to stay focused on what I've called you to do. And so no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. So if you want to be kingdom fit, you got to stay focused on what God has called you to do. Psalms 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to act. So I want to challenge you, number three, to burn old options. Just burn them. Just say that's not an option anymore. Now every day is a day to move forward with God. When Cortez disembarked his 500 men upon the eastern coast of Mexico years ago, he set fire to his ships. Then every warrior knew the only thing we can do is conquer. Like all we can do is fight. You can't get on the ship and go back home. He burned the ships. Is there an area in your life you need to burn the ships? Pastor, I'm I'm not in the fight. Are are you sure you're not in the fight? Maybe burning the ships means finally uh, canceling and blocking someone on your phone that you used to always go back to. That's not God's will. Time to burn the ship. Maybe instead of telling that girlfriend or boyfriend, well, we could maybe work out. Nope, don't give them hope. Say, this isn't it. Sorry. Burn the ship. How can you move forward if you're still stuck in the past? Maybe it's time to uh, delete your your, uh, contact where you get your weed. Oh, oh! I'm a Christian. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Uh, Yeah, we know that. You think I'm dumb enough to believe that doesn't happen with the believers? Maybe it's time to delete that. Maybe it's time to call that buddy and say we're not going clubbing again. When I go there, I do stuff I don't. I don't want to do. I don't want to show up on Sunday feeling bad about what I did Saturday anymore. Time to burn some ships. Maybe for you, it's time to put some blockers on your phone, your computer. If you go back there, it's recorded and it's sent to someone else. Did you know that there's software that does that? Covenant Eyes will do that. They'll record whatever you look at and send it to a friend. If you're really serious, just have it sent to your wife, guys. Pretty sure that'll stop you. Burn the ships. What's God leading you to burn the ships on? Is there a habit? Is there a place? Is there a person that God's saying, if you're going to become all that I have for you, you have to let go of that or them, or that place. Burn the ships. Because your future does not have them or that in it. And so it's holding you back from what God wants to do in your life. You have to let go of those things. Burn old options. And then last thing, here's some good news, because that's a tough one, I know. I've had to do it in my life many times. But here's something I've learned. If you'll do that, here's what God will do. You can turbocharge your life by tying your new, fresh goals to God's kingdom. You may say, but, but what if I had the same goals? It's okay. That means your goals were not ungodly. They're not bad. But when you tie them to God, everything changes. Maybe say, but, but I still really want to be an influencer. Great, why don't you be an influencer and talk about Jesus? That'd be incredible, you know? Oh, you can't be famous doing that. Yeah, someone tell Tim Tebow that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really working out for him. So you can use your influence... To honor the Lord, right? Maybe if you're like, but is it is it bad, Pastor, that I really want to earn a lot of money? No. Not if you're tithing, not if you're honoring the Lord with it. I mean, I'm not sure how you think missions happen, but it's resources that we send across the world, literally. I went halfway around the world to check on the money we're sending to see if it's being in good use. And I came back even more proud than ever. That it is amazing use what we're doing. So I just want to encourage you that. That there's okay. In fact, please, I hope you earn way more than you'll ever need so you can give some away. God wants you to do that. If you say, oh, you know, I'm okay. I have enough to get by. That's so selfish of you to just have enough to get by. It's unselfish to want to earn way more than you'll ever need so you can do God's work. So I just want to challenge you. I don't like the fact that sometimes Christians are outgiven by atheists. That's ridiculous. We should be the most giving people in the world. I just wanna challenge you with that notion to make an impact. Ephesians chapter two says this, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. How did God plan in advance for for you to do good works? Because he put it in your heart to do it. He gave you that preference. He gave you that desire to do that. That's how he's made his plans. Luke chapter 17 says, God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. Right now, I believe God's speaking. Some, Some of you are just lit up. You're like, oh, he's talking to me. Yep, that's the Holy Spirit. His kingdom is rising within you, waiting for you to rise up with him and do what the Lord is telling you to do. God's kingdom's realm is already expanding. And in Matthew 5 says this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Sometimes I'll be out with my family and someone will come up and say, hey, are you you that guy? And normally that's a good thing, not always, but... I'll say, I'm um, in mean, I a pastor at church. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll have a conversation. And one of my favorite conversations, and um, it's always fun to see you guys out when you come up and say, oh, man, you, your church has changed my life. And that never gets old by people. I know you hear this all the time. I don't hear it all the time. But when I do hear it, it's, it's always an honor. Just yesterday, I was having breakfast with uh, our guest speaker for our conference, Jimmy Evans. And, and the waitress came up, and she goes, I need to tell you something. And I was like, well, And this is my favorite thing here. She said, you changed my husband's life. She said, he's not even the same guy anymore. I'm so thankful for what God's doing through Church Unlimited because he wouldn't be the same man. See, that's reform. What she's saying is, because he's different, he's changed my life. So him being different has changed our family. That's, that's what real change looks like. And that's the most honoring thing in the world is when you say, look what God's done. My family's not the same. My life is not the same. My finances are not the same. My career is not the same. My educational, uh, you know, opportunities are not the same. Why? Because God got a hold of my life. He changed everything. And I'll never be the same. That's what real revival looks like. And it starts schools and universities. For me, it started a church. It started a church. It started churches. It started a movement. What is it for you? You're not stuck where you are. I'm reminded of the words that God said to Adam and Eve when they had messed up. Adam, Eve, where are you? Now, what I love about that question is he's God. Do you not think he knows where they are? He's all knowing. So why would God ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Was it because he didn't know where they were? Or was it because Adam and Eve didn't want to admit where they were? So can I ask you a question? Where are you right now? Let's just talk about your life for a second. Where are you at? Are you where you should be? Are you on the track you believe God wants you to be on? Like you're like, yeah, man, I'm hitting on all cylinders. This is God's will. I'm moving in that direction. Or would you say, yeah, I think I'm on the right track, but I've just kind of sat on the track. Instead of got moving. Or I, I took a detour, Pastor, honestly. I'm not where I should be. Where are you? Because you can't fix where you are until you admit where you are. Maybe it's time to say, okay, God, I know I experienced you just a few weeks ago. You moved powerfully, but Lord, I don't want to just go back to where I was. Thank you for calling me out, God, saying, where are you? Why would God call Adam and Eve and say that? Because he was saying, where are you? So I can come be with you. So I can get you back on track. So you can begin to honor me again. Where are you? Let's do what God put in our hearts to do. Let's not die with our dreams and possibilities in us, would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Where are you today? Is God stirring in you? Is God saying, "Hey, you following the you?" Those simple things that I put in my word. Do you attend regularly, or is just occasionally? Are you just, you're tuning in today, but maybe spend a couple of weeks? You're just kind of you're here and there with God, and you wonder why with a hit and miss relationship with God. You wonder why you're kind of hit and missing in life. Maybe for you, you say, Well, I mean, Pastor, you know, it's not that. It's, it's just, you know, serving. That's just really hard for me to do. Well, you're already here. You, you come one hour. Why can't you just give us two? Jesus said this is obvious. Could you just tarry one more hour? Could you just give me another hour? Just one more hour. You're already giving God an hour a week. Could you, could, you couldn't give him two? You're already here. You're already dressed up. You already came. Just hang out and serve another hour. What is it for you? Where are you? Where are you with groups? Do you, are, your, are your friends you're hanging out with not honoring God? Do you need a new group of friends? Where are you with uh, tithing? Do you, do, you, do you say you're committed to the things of God, but yet you never give to God? Or you never give faithfully? Or how about this? You never give sacrificially to God. Like it doesn't really change the way you live. You're not willing to adjust your lifestyle to God. Where are you with bringing someone to Christ? Where are you with that? Are you in heaven and you're telling everyone else they can pretty much go to hell? Because you never invite them? Where are you? Every head right close. closed. Would you just simply commit to God and say, God, <clears throat> I'm right here. I hear you loud and clear, Lord. I know you're convicting me. You're speaking to me. And I want to live a reformed life. I want to retune my life to you. I want to get refocused, renewed. If that's you today, that's what being part of a revival is. Revive me, God. If that's you today, lift your hand high. Just say, God, I hear you loud and clear. I'm going to make those changes. I know you're speaking to me. Just hold your hand high. If God's telling you some changes you need to make, it's okay. Praise God. Thank you. There's hands going up all across our churches right now. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Thank you, Rockport. Praise God. Just hold that hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Those of you are are on, online with us, we see your hands. We're praying for you. God's bringing real lasting change to you. Praise God. I thank God for that man who changed his life because his wife found me yesterday morning. Pastor, thank you. My life has changed because of my husband. Because he's changed. How about you? Has it impacted your family yet? It will, if you put God first. Every head bowed every eye closed. Have you given your life to Christ? You can do so by simply praying this prayer. You can just pray this prayer with us. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Every head bowed your eye closed. If you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around. Would you just lift your hand high if you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Christ? Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands right down here in the front. Thank you. Anywhere else? Yep, in the back. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Hold your hands high. Thank you. We see your hands. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Hold that hand high. If you're online, put it in, just put in a text chat right now. Just say, my hand's raised, or click hand raised right now. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Padre. Praise God. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. God's moving. God's moving. This is what real revival looks like. It lasts. It lasts. It lasts. It lasts. It changes generations. It changes culture. Praise God. Lord, thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, God, that you want to bring not only revival in our lives, but, Lord, in the next generation. And, Lord, when we begin to live differently, Lord, we know that it goes not just from us, but it goes to others. It impacts the world. So, Lord, help us to be those people, revived people because we've experienced you in revival. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God, good. His word is so true.